Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. So you're going to let me get away with that feisty comment? Oh, well, actually, I have a whole myth that I've been reading about which kind of women you just told me I am. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have, I, I really, I am, I am so eager for you to come back and, and, and step in and talk about the sacred feminine or the or whatever you're, however you're going to do it. Well, I'm eager for that. So I didn't get a chance to listen to Sunday. I was, as you, we, I was in Tennessee, as you know, and right. um, and haven't gotten to listen to the recording. Did you talk about Percival and? Um, I did. You did. Okay, so I need I, to. And I'm, I'm, and I'm gonna, re- <clears throat> I'm gonna revisit it this week, and I'm gonna parse the story some. Uh-huh. But Holly, we could spend weeks uh-huh. on this particular myth. Oh yeah, and and. and and we need the heroine in there too, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I actually, I did two things. You know, I think you challenged me last time we were recording to find a myth of the feminine and to um, read something about the heroine's journey or find something about it. I've done both of those things. And I'm actually about two thirds of the way through the book, She, that you spoke about that, um, uh-huh. Robert Johnson wrote and some parts of me are like, come on, man, as I'm reading what he's writing, <laughs> um, you know, I was a little prepared to be a little bit like, come on, man. But, um, uh, and I've also been reading about another woman's take on the heroine's journey and what the steps are and how it's different from the, the, the hero's journey. Um, and, you know, it's funny, so the, the primary myth that Robert Johnson weaves through this is um, this kind of trifecta between uh, Aphrodite, Psyche, and Cupid. Aphrodite uh-huh. representing the sort of jealous mother-in-law type, the sort of mm-hmm. old guard, the traditional woman, the, the it needs to be my way or the highway. Psyche representing, um, she comes down from the heavens, she's, mm-hmm. she's made from dew. And representing sort of a new, fresh way of of doing things, but she has to be tamed by Cupid, by Eros, by love. Uh huh. And and there's still so much masculinity even in that myth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that and there's also still so much competition between these two archetypes of the female, the the kind of strong, overbearing woman. And the kind of like live, carefree woman. And it's it's really interesting how it's set up as this kind of competition and then integration of these two archetypes. And I really find myself wanting to say to the man who's writing this story, we need to get away from competitive female archetypes. They don't serve us. Mm-hmm. There is when truth you, in we, them. And amplify on that a little more. When you mm-hmm. say we need to get away from competitive female archetypes, what does that mean? 
So it is my experience that women, maybe specifically in the Western world, have been set up to compete with one another. Um, we operate in a patriarchal system also. Right? right. And that patriarchal system is in some ways upheld because we comply with it. It doesn't happen without our participation. Right. Right. So, so within this kind of patriarchal system, women tend to compete with one another in the same ways that the male archetype might compete uh, that with makes one per That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that one of the things that Robert would say, and just heads up, mm. I know he's a guy, <laughs> and I know I'm a guy, and I have an enormous affection for Robert. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I described him Sunday, and I think that I haven't heard anybody ever do this, although it may not be that I'm the first one, but Robert mm -hmm. to me is a lot like Jesus in that Robert, I think, has the psyche of a female. And a man, a body of a male. Yeah, right? yeah. I can, I can see that coming through, right? Yeah. And he, he very much. And and I've talked about this, and you've talked about this, and we've talked about this together. We are both feminine and masculine energies, right? And we must get in touch with that fact. And so, the competitive archetype for the woman—that's also our masculine energy, right? Right. It's, right. it's just that he can't help but write about this through the lens of a male, even though he can also embody feminine energy. And, and to be fair, so I love you. You're a man. There are many men in my life who have been fantastic mentors and shown me more of my feminine self, right? Right. Um, this is very possible. But he's also writing from... Um, I would venture to say, how how old is Robert? Or is he, is he, well, he's dead? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he died okay. a couple of years ago. Okay. As a matter of fact, I put in the summary that went out yesterday, the link to his obituary, which I really think, uh, I would, I would like people to read that because mm -hmm. um, there are things about Robert that I continue to discover mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, in hearing him sp speak and, and, and lecture and be with him and all that. There's so much about him I didn't know. I didn't know till I read his victory that for the last number of years before his death, he was entered a monastery. Wow. Yeah, he entered a Benedictine monastery. I think he left the monastery a year or so before he actually died. He died. Mm. I think he died two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. I, I, have a, I have a buddy. I have a buddy who is uh, lives on the East Coast. And he developed a much closer relationship personally to Robert than I did. And he tells a story about going to San Diego to spend time with Robert, lived in Robert's condo with him. And one of the things that my buddy, now, Holly, this had to be back in the early 80s mm. that my friend did this. And my friend also, sadly, is very near death. But he he and Robert developed this relationship, and he asked Robert to hold him, to cradle him like a baby. Mm -hmm. And he ended up putting his head in Robert's lap on the couch and just sobbing. Mm -hmm. And um, so Robert had the capacity to do that kind of nurturing and openness yeah. and 
that sort of thing. And many people also never know the story that I told on Sunday is that Robert went to Zurich, saw Carl Jung, Jung referred um, Robert to Emma. I think that was Carl's wife's name. He had this huge dream that Emma said, you need to tell my husband, Carl Jung, about this dream. So Robert went and had sessions with Carl Jung. And out of that, Carl Jung said to Robert Johnson, you must never marry. Hmm. And Robert never did. Now, as a therapist, I can never imagine myself saying that to someone. <laughs> it's pretty bold. Nor, yeah, nor yeah. can I imagine someone saying that to me. Right. Right. Although it just it occurred to me that that's exactly what the Roman Church, uh, the Catholic Church, has done to yeah. men. You must never marry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Robert did have a companion, a, a female companion, and he cared for his, her children as if they were his, but mm -hmm. they never officially married. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, do do you think that? This is jumping around some. Do you think that women have have the same kind of issue with the mother complex that men do? I think we have a mother complex. I think it looks very different, right? And that's because, the kind of like Aphrodite psyche energy is like the psyche has to break away from the what you know. And there's all kinds of mothers has to break away from the domineering mother, uh, the mother energy. You know, and I, I think that not all mothers are domineering, but that's the, if, if we have a mother, that is the, that is the image that the image that we get about being a mother is through the one that we have. Right? Well, everybody has a mother. Well, if we're raised by a mother, how about that? Yeah. 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 You know, so you're right. Everybody has a mother. We're pretty much responsible for all of life on this human species planet but so, <laughs> yeah here, here's a, here, the reason i say that here's something that robert would say mm -hmm. is that we have patriarchy in the western world because mm -hmm. men have not come to terms with the mother complex you know and, and it, i would venture to also say that maybe men haven't come to terms with the father complex i know yeah I, that's yeah. a whole whole yeah. another yeah another thing mm -hmm. but if men don't grow up, mm -hmm. they become bullies mm -hmm. in the Western world, patriarchs in the mm -hmm. Western world. Uh, and in order for women to survive in that Western world, they become very much like men, mm -hmm. many of them. Yeah. So and, I think that's that's the thing that we are trapped by, right? We, yeah. we, we don't know anything other than a patriarchy. Right. So we're having to define our femininity, our feminineness, you and me both. In light of a patriarchy, that's the limitation. Right. It will always be a limitation. And 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 while I think, and thank you for sharing the stories about Robert, it seems like he was just a really tender soul. And you can see that coming through in his writing and other books I've read of his too. And I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage for a white man to write about the woman's journey. <laughs> Right. So yeah. I want to honor that courage, the courage that it took for him to be vulnerable enough with his feminine to write about that. What I challenge about it is that he still is of the of the generation, I, I would guess, of the traditionalist generation. And so 
he's writing from that perspective. So for example, there's this whole bit about how um, the, the, the man just wants to come home for, to the woman, the presumption being that the woman is in the home, right? And, mm-hmm. and so how do we find these new feminine archetypes where, where actually our roles in society are, are, are coming, are coming forth a little bit more, you know, we're leaders, we're, um, we are business owners, we are workers, we are doctors, we are all the things. So that question is twofold. How do we understand what it means to come home to the feminine in light of shared roles? How do we, as women, honor the feminine in those roles that tend to be more defined by patriarchal culture? Right. Yeah. And so and- here, here, here's another thing that you may not know about him. And um, in trying to find his path vocationally as a young man, he started, he wanted to be a church organist. Mm-hmm. But he couldn't mm-hmm. because he lost a leg in an auto accident oh, and you need a leg to play the church organ. Yeah. Uh, and he bounced around doing a variety of things before he decided that what he wanted to do after he, it, you can read all of this in Balancing Heaven and Earth, which has been a long time since I've read it. But um, he he eventually got um, into kind of a weird religious path. He got into union psychology, got to Zurich, got trained as a union analyst. When he came back to the States, he picked a job where he could be in the education field so that he could live three months a year in India Hmm. out of the Western world, out of the the patriarchal system. That's a very caste system. I mean, which has mm-hmm. its own liabilities and drawbacks. Yeah. And in, in one of his writings, he talks about the fact that, you know, the patriarchy has benefited the Western world in many, many, many ways. Mm-hmm. But it has also damaged both men and women and um, and relational systems. Yeah. Um, you know, if you grew up in India, you never wondered about who your spouse is going to be. Mm-hmm. It was arranged for you. Mm-hmm. It was just not part of the cultural whatever. No, and you. in the Western world, through the selling of sex and eroticism and all that stuff, it, it it's, a, it's a huge issue. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it, it, both the caste system and the patriarchal system fall under the umbrella of what Rianne Eisler calls dominator constructs right she has a book called the chalice and the blade about how since human history has been written about we don't have evidence of a partnership model we have um, archaeological evidence of partnership models we have archaeological evidence of even uh, feminine centered cultures but we don't have written down histories of partnership models. We have written histories of dominator models. Mm-hmm. So with literacy, in some ways, came this other model of living, right? And so what the the partnership models often referred to as archaic or um, uh, more tribal, in other words, less valued than the literacy, right? That was brought about by this kind of patriarchal or dominator model. So I just find all these ways of talking about it very interesting. The, the, the truth is, so 
let's just even refer to the hero's journey for just a second. Where does the hero go during his journey? He goes into the cave, into the dark night of the soul. What is that container if it's not feminine? The, the, the darkness is feminine. The container of darkness is feminine. He is in the feminine when he is in his lowest, hardest moment. So even through these dominator journeys, even through these cultures that have, um, that we, the only ones we know, which are dominator cultures, for the hero to complete his journey, he has to understand that he is held by the feminine. So in the Parsifal myth, the, the, that uh, container is the dark woods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a trip that you can only make by yourself. Mm-hmm. Just like birth, just like death. Mm-hmm. But what is the container? The container of the dark to me is explicitly feminine. See, I don't think I have ever thought that. You've introduced mm-hmm. something new to me. And that is, I've never really consciously thought that entering the dark wood was also a re-entering of being born again, reentering the the Nicodemus question: How can I enter my mother's womb a second time? Mm-hmm. You can certainly go into the dark wood. Yeah. So you know who I must give credit for kind of helping me think that way is Catherine Keller, the process theologian who writes about the Tehomic kind of creative dark abyss that is the creator of all things we think of dark so often as being scary but her she really flips that on its head and says no it's creative Mm -hmm. it gathers energy right and Mm -hmm. um and she writes about it being explicitly feminine so the the in the parsifal myth parsifal's mother who has a name that i cannot pronounce Mm -hmm. in the myth um it makes a garment for him to wear when he's he wants to leave and this homespun garment is the is stand in for the mother complex mm. and what his mother wants for him and i hope you don't mind my making this public <laughs> is what what every mother wants for a child yesterday in houston uh, we had the scare of an active shooter thing and you and i texted back and forth and you yeah. said that you were literally quaking, shaking, yeah. fearful. Yeah. I mean, that's what a mother does. Yeah. No mother who's worth her salt wants harm to come to their children. Mm-hmm. So Parsifal's father in the myth was a knight who came to his end as a knight. Parsifal's mother did not want him to have the same things so she wrapped him in this protective covering mm-hmm. and he went on his way and that protective covering at some point a man has to remove mm-hmm. yeah and um and find his own way and in in our culture we have a lot of protective coverings mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. mother church yeah notre yeah. dame mm-hmm. uh you know mm-hmm. all of that well, and we- i remember I remember Robert saying, you know, in a lecture one time that it's the aspiration of every little boy to grow up be a cowboy. <laughs> and he said, a cow is a feminine energy and a boy is not a man. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah. Huh. So huh. Our, one of our 
great Texas football teams are called the, the Cowboys. Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I, yeah, I was just going to keep going with your what do we what else do we refer to as feminine? We refer to countries as feminine. We refer to, you know, Mother Earth, All you know, all of these containers, again, that sort of help create our identities are feminine containers. And, and it's a huge, yeah. there's a huge difference between the mother complex mm -hmm. and the mother archetype. For sure, because I think, and please help me out here, the mother archetype um, has positive and negatives, right? Like the, the mother archetype, there there are the good mother and the bad mother kind of, right? Like there's, um, I was going, I'm working through this book right now that is about, uh, it's called Awakening with the Tree of Life. And we just did this exercise around kind of the mother archetype in our own life. Mm -hmm. You know, how does the good mother show up and how does the bad mother show up? But my understanding is that even within that, there's like several archetypes of of the mother. Can you, can you tease that out a little bit? Well, what you're saying reminds me of a book that I try to get all of my male clients to read by my, a guy named by Robert Moore. He's written a book called King or Your Magician Lover, mm, which are the that. four mm -hmm. ancient archetypes for mm -hmm. male psychology. Mm -hmm. And he says that in each, in, in all of these, and I'm not familiar, although, um, is it Pico Calaris Esther has written the book Run with the Wolves? Yeah. I think that she's got the same kind of thing mm -hmm. in that book as Robert Moore has mm -hmm. in the King Warrior Magician Lover. Uh, 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 in any one of these psychologies, any one of these energy centers, mm -hmm. um, you can have positive energy meaning too much mm -hmm. or yeah. you can have negative energy meaning not enough and what right. what we work at is getting balance right yes. so yeah. that too much lover energy comes out to be an addict mm -hmm. uh, somebody who can't get enough is always mm -hmm. wanting to suck the, the nipple mm -hmm. and not enough mother energy turns out to be a, a kind of a a, a, a baby hunter tyrant, mm -hmm. a queasling, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and so you got to get a, a balance of these. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that goes. I'm not as familiar with the woman archetype. The that's where you come in. Yeah, and there's um oh gosh, now I'm thinking I'm blending a lot of different things, but um the kind of four basic ones, if I can, or four basic female archetypes, if I can sort of remember, I think are the crone the maiden, the sort of enchantress or um, almost like the magician in the male archetype uh -huh. and then the mother. And uh, so the witch, I guess, would be the enchantress, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and I think within each of those, you know, then again, we have these sort of like, well, what are the personas that show up? Um, the queen mother versus the loving mother, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the narcissistic mother versus the, the caring mother. <laughs> Mm -hmm. or nurturing mother and i'm now thinking of another book that i've read about um borderline personalities and and how that shows up in mothering but um yeah, yeah. so it you know i i think Gosh, yeah, it's going to be next to impossible to distill into a single class but maybe it's just You can't do it. I mean, mm -hmm. I uh, no I'm I said Sunday that um, I introduced a story and I'm going to parse it out this week and, and 
I haven't written, but maybe about a third of what I want to do. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any, I don't have any hope of being able to finish because there's so much richness in any one of these myths that we pick up. And mm-hmm. I, I think that probably when we co-teach on, um, we're going to start doing a feminine myth. Mm, in October. Yeah. Um yeah, we can, you know, the, the typical one is this myth of um, Aphrodite and Psyche. And I'm still kind of going, well, which one do I want to focus on? Because I think one of the things that I'm so drawn to about the feminine archetype is the creative nature of the feminine. Well, the, is you know? is that the is that the myth that's in the book, She? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It could be. So it could be an interesting parallel, right? Because Yeah, it's like, yeah let's do it. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. Yeah. And I would like to also say, well, this is where I'd like to challenge it a little bit. You know, you know, Robert, I did not. So, you know, his persona and um, reading it now as a a younger woman of this era. It, it's just interesting reading through some of these sort of feminine energy archetypes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've. I think we must allow that they've changed and that change really is relatively recent with women having this sort of, what do you want to say, like full and equal rights to a man. And I don't want to confuse man, woman with masculine, feminine. I just think that they play out in those categories very often. Yeah. You did not mean just to imply that women have full and equal rights or thin. No, we do not. Thank you for calling me on that. It is only recent that we've even been granted some. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> right. We, we, we do so, not. And yeah. Um, Joan Chenister, <clears throat> the Benedictine nun who's got, whoo, she's. Yeah. She's a, fi- she's, she's a firebrand. Yeah. She's a firebrand, is right. <laughs> she mm-hmm. said, she's the one I got the line from that without this, we are a culture that walks on one leg. Absolutely. And that means we're people that walk on one leg. Right. It means that we're people who are living out of only half of our being. Right. And and this is, you know, so this is true if I can't. And this is then we get into like, what is healthy masculinity and unhealthy masculinity? What is healthy femininity and unhealthy femininity? And I would venture to say that because of the nature of our system, we're being led by unhealthy masculinity. Therefore, the feminine is also unhealthy. The expression right. of both are out of whack. Yeah, know? if you look at the women who are uh, winning in mm-hmm. these uh, midterm election polls, mm-hmm. who are they're they're um, clones of guys mm-hmm. with, they, hair. Just, <laughs> huh? with hair, with yeah. hair, yeah, and they're just doing yeah. the same thing. There mm-hmm. is a woman who's. Um, in the Senate, Lorena Bobbitt, I think is her. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, no, you're thinking of no. Lorena Bobbitt was the one who cut off her husband's anatomy. Yeah, but who is a woman who uh, is in in the in the Congress who recently said that if Jesus had had an AK-47, he would have been better off. Uh, anyway, I, I want to call. <laughs> Yeah. I want to call her by name because that is an example of somebody who has appropriated masculine identity and, and psychological negativity 
to to win a place in the public eye. Is this? Are you talking about Lauren Bobert? Yes, that's okay. Her. So Lorena Bobbitt, to be clear, cut off her husband's, husband's penis. Penis. Yeah. <laughs> but interesting that you brought her into this conversation <laughs> about masculinity and femininity. Next week's podcast, we'll deal with the Bobbits. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, okay. I, as one of my teachers said, a Freudian slip is where you say one thing but mean your mother. That's right. So. Oh, I meant to say, please pass the potato mash. Please pass the mashed potatoes. But instead I said, you witch, you ruined my life. Right. Right. Same kind of thing. I love that joke. <laughs> yeah. So it is. So I, I sometimes end up in these conversations that we have as a mixture of so much excitement and hope yeah. because there's so much to do. The field <laughs> is so rich to get to draw from yeah. and then frustrated and hopeless about how are we ever going to communicate this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll figure it out. I hope. It's a lot. It's a, it's lot. a lot. It's a lot. So maybe we'll just keep throwing books at people. Go read this. <laughs> well, study. you know, I got called on that two weeks ago, I mm. think, when you and I were teaching together. And <laughs> somebody after class said, you mentioned 17 books today. Okay. Which one do I write down? All right. You got to go. It's 1140. But yeah. I, I, I do. Yeah. I, I, I am excited about doing this. Yeah. Um, taking these stories yeah you know this is not what we intended when we started this not at all but it's part of it right yeah. it, it's not yeah. not what we intended it's just a different little pathway we're taking so so if anybody yeah. is listening to this and they want to get a leg up on where we're going in the next six weeks mm -hmm. i highly recommend the book that holly mentioned called she mm -hmm. by robert johnson there is the book that he wrote about the parsifal story called he mm -hmm. he wrote another book that is also very very connected with what we're talking about called lying with the heavenly woman mm. and it's about how men can incorporate a healthy femininity mm -hmm. into their not their psyche because they got feminine already there yeah. but how they can incorporate it into their conscious living on the earth yeah it's a good book mm. called lying with the heavenly woman we'll put these three in the text so that people can link to them if they want to well i was thinking this morning that we said we were going to get this book list updated on the website, but I haven't made any contribution to it in two years. Have you? A few. Um, not in a, a little while, but a few over the... We can do that. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Have a great day. I got day. to go. Thank okay. you. Love you. Bye. Right, you too. Bye.